1: Hey, everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Stefan Grabina, the president and owner of Exclus Service, a European specialty shop in Rockville, Maryland. We decided to tackle the ever constant problem of estimating pre authorizing diagnostic testing fees and properly selling value instead of simply quoting prices. I think the topic was broader than what we expected, but I think you'll find several key nuggets that will hopefully change the way you view estimating and pricing your own services. If you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We are on every single one. If you're catching us on YouTube, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We're trying to hit a specific goal in subscribers, so help us out. Subscribe to the channel if you're listening. It would be greatly appreciated. And with all that out of the way, here we go.
2: often run into we, we, we don't remember what it was like to be a client walking into a new place you know you everybody thinks everybody knows everything and they don't
0: exactly the curse of knowledge right and and that see that's my big thing is that um if you look on my website i've got a video where we did how to do a after hours drop off right and people are like why why would you need to do that Well, because they need to understand the process and it really came from an experience that I had where I went somewhere and, you know, went into this hotel and basically nobody was at the front counter. And, you know, that awkward feeling you get and you're standing there and you're like, uh, what am I supposed to do? And she comes out and she gives me my key and she's like, here you go. Okay, so where's my room? What's the room number? Where's the elevators? Like, where do I go? You know, and and I think that as business owners, it's really easy. And I, I talk a lot about customer service. And I think that that it's easy for us as business owners to lose sight that customer service is about the customer. And this is just an example of that. But but when we're talking about estimates and we're talking about a work authorization, we're talking about something that quickly becomes an ethical and moral issue. Right. Um, you know, for instance, in my shop, my policy is if we didn't give you an estimate or our estimate is different than what we told you, I'm going to make that right. Right. That comes out of my pocket, not my customer's pocket. Um, so I take it very seriously. I know some don't.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. We, in, in the state of Maryland, you're allowed uh, a, a variance of 10% from your estimate. But at the end of the day, if you're a couple pennies over what you quoted, um, and it doesn't match what you told the customer on the phone, that might leave a bad feeling uh, for that client. And they may not come back. They may not say anything, but they may not come back. Is that worth the risk? Right. So,
0: well, and, and, you know, for instance, like in our shop, right. Um, and, and we will, occasionally mistakes happen, right? Everybody has mistakes, but occasionally somebody will start on a job. Maybe they started on the wrong job. Maybe they went out and, and pulled a vehicle in to do a testing routine on it and they misunderstood where they were supposed to be going next. We will stop the job, right? Or we will not charge for the testing until we speak to that customer. We'll say, hey, do you want us to proceed with this? Right? And and I think it's it's the understanding and and taking that extremely serious when we get into a situation that, Hey, we're going to, we're, we're spending someone else's money, right? That's huge for me. I'm not going to spend somebody else's money without their permission. I wouldn't reach into their wallet and take a dollar bill out. Well, it's just a dollar. No, that's not what it's about. It's about trust and communication with your client. And I think that's really important. That's a good way to
1: put it. it. I think I'm going to tell my, my new service advisor that that's a, that's a perfect way to put it you're not it's not your money you're not going to reach into the wallet pull it out and and spend it um so you have to look at it the same way so so how do you deal with that at your shop uh stefan How, how do you how do you make sure that you they they walk in with the correct expectation without pricing on the phone without without maybe scaring them off with testing fees on the phone but at the same time you need to be upfront you need to be honest with them you need to make sure they understand that hey we don't just quote-unquote look at it for free that's not a thing right the the technician going to go out and if they touch your car there has to be some charge to it so how, how do you handle those situations
2: well i mean we we quote over the phone if if uh if they come in and they say or if they call me and they say hey my surface engine soon light is on uh, you know, or my coolant level light is on and I got coolant all over the ground. You know, what's it going to cost? What's what's going to be? I'm like, well, it's going to run about 150 for us to take a look at it. Once we have some ideas to what's going on, whether we need more testing, we'll let you know or we'll let you know what the repair will be. And that's pretty much the standard conversation, right? So if someone is scared away about that, I'd rather they be scared away on the phone than show up at the door and waste everybody's time. Um, mm-hmm. It's just the way I feel of filtering people. You know, it's not... I know I'm going to trigger some folks, uh, but not every customer is my customer and that's okay. Um, I, I, you know, Lucas, you guys, you guys carry a pretty decent average repair order. I know you do. Um, and does that mean that, uh, you're not going to welcome anybody? No, of course you will welcome anybody. However, you think, I think you'll have that conversation with them so that they aren't going to want to, uh, or, or when they, I'm sorry, when they walk into your door, they know what to expect. Um, and if if they don't ask the question, I'm not going to put it out there, right? So there's a little bit of a difference there, right? So if they ask me, I'll, I'm not going to lie to them, and I won't sugarcoat it. I'll tell them what it is. But if they don't ask, and they just say, hey, I'd like to bring my car in for a check engine light, and I say, okay, come on in. Now, does that mean that uh, it is possible that when they show up that we have that uncomfortable conversation? Maybe. But you got to have the conversation before you text, touch the car. Um, there's no point in diagnosing something
1: Lucas and I have been telling you about PartsTech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your PartsTech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account, and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast.
0: Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with parts tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like parts GP optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started.
2: They're not going to authorize it, right? And it's also, for me, it's a filter. So if they're not going to authorize the diag time, then they're sure as heck not going to authorize the repair. So why are we wasting our time?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Well, you know, I, I work a little bit differently here. And the reason being is, is you know, we're, we're in a college town. And, and we deal with a lot of college students. So I make it explicitly clear, right? When I'm on the phone with this m- Mrs. Customer, uh, it sounds like we need to do a level one testing routine. And, and I'm able to uh, determine the cause or causes of your concern in about 90% of all cases with a level one testing routine. I would ask that you approve us up to... 135 dollars for the level one testing routine. The other 10 percent of the time we may have to do specific tests. Think of it like a doctor's office. You go to the doctor's office and he might be able to tell that hey you've got a cold and tell you to go home and rest. Or if you've got an arm problem, you know your arm's hurting and it's got an abrasion on it, he might have to say he needs to do an x-ray. We work very much the same way. So we would price that by the test. Does that make sense to you? Sure thing. And and so I found it's really important for me to set that expectation a, ahead of time because I have had some customers who come in and thought, well, I, I didn't know you charged for this. We've got shops all around us who don't charge for Diag. And and let's be transparent. They're not really doing Diag. So, you know, um, I've, I've got a car <laughs> in the shop right now who, you know, it was at another shop in town and, and they did, they actually damaged the car worse than what it was. And the dad said, you know, I would have rather paid you the $150 to tell me it needed a transmission and then it needed all this other work instead of waiting four weeks for this other shop just to tell me they didn't know what was wrong with it, right? And and I think it that charge is more of a problem for the person behind the counter in many, many cases than it is for the customer on the other end of the telephone, right? I, I don't think that number is too big of a deal. It's what we make it
2: i agree i agree and, and there's, it's you know the the difference uh for how we we, we our, our end result is the same the presentation's different um and it also you know I, I might go into a similar explanation to that depending on the person who's on the phone right so we have to gauge the um, uh, the the caller and see see what's what would be their trigger or you know what's important to them or how can we explain it to them so it makes sense to them right so that's it's it's um. the presentation makes a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I
0: really agree. But but, you know, I think at the end of the day, what this comes back to for me is we have I think we have an ethical obligation to our client and more so to our industry, to our peers to do this the right way. Right. And and look in North Carolina, you, you the the limits three hundred and fifty dollars above three hundred and fifty dollars. You have to have a written estimate. And the customer has to see the written estimate and they have to approve the written estimate before you can continue. And then you have a ten percent variance from that. The number of shops that I talk to who, A, don't write estimates, who, B, they might do a written estimate, but it doesn't have the information they need on it, or it doesn't have a price on it, or maybe they do an estimate and they never send it to the customer. They don't realize that it's actually, I think in some cases, it's even a misdemeanor in North Carolina. Um, And they don't even realize that they're in the wrong. You know, recently I had a situation where a good friend of mine took his vehicle somewhere, and he came back and the bill was $3,500, and he said, all I asked you to do was tell me what's wrong with it. They said, Well, we fixed all this. It was a custom car. It was really nice. And I said, Look, you just need to, you need to get a, an attorney and have the attorney handle it. I said, Because at the end of the day, you owe him $350. And he told the shop I said that and they called, they were really upset. And they said, Why would you tell him that? And I said, Because that's what the law says. We have an obligation to do the right thing for our clients, but we also have an obligation for our industry as a whole to make sure we're doing this properly. Make sure we're doing this ethically.
2: Absolutely, and and um, in your state, the written part um, can it be digital? Like for example, we send text messages with the where the customer approves and declines the repair because they use TechMetric. Um, so, does in your state is that a requirement, or would that would that pass the muster? I mean, I think. The spirit of the law is what we're after here, I guess. But
0: yes, yes, it would. It, it it's it shows. For instance, in shopware, it shows that they viewed the estimate, and and in our case, we won't start until they approve it. Right. So they have to approve it. And then when we, we create estimates that need to be done, they have to approve it. They can call via telephone. And, and of course, we record our calls. They can come in and we document that they were here. We make a little note about the approval and explain what happened and what the conversation was like. And, and you know, I, I talk to shops and they say, gosh, but that takes so much time. That information is gold. Not Absolutely. just you know, not just when it comes to if I have to go to court because there was a misunderstanding. No, this helps explain how the customer thinks. This helps us understand how to better serve the customer. It makes us a better salesperson, right? Across the board. I think the information's gold. And so I just think that that shops look at this and they say, Oh, it's hard, it's this, it's that. It's fear. Right. I think shop owners especially are afraid to tell a customer a price up front because they're afraid they'll say no. And I, I'm afraid to not tell a customer a price up front. That terrifies me.
2: No, I agree. I, I had a customer. I'm sure it happens to you. You have customers that are key droppers. they like, oh, just call me when it's done. And I'm like, I'll call you when I have an estimate. Like, I don't care how long I've known you. I don't know what your threshold for expenses expensive is versus my threshold for expensive. You know, because nowadays I'm looking at a car. I was literally I was just talking to my ser- my service manager uh, at the shop uh, yesterday, and I said, you know, it's amazing how when we're selling a job and it's you know it's eight hundred dollars, and you know the we we quoted maybe thirty five hundred bucks worth of work on the car, and they only bought eight hundred bucks. We're like, they only bought eight hundred bucks. That's a low number, you know. it's just that's just what we've become accustomed to at this point. So I think yeah. it also depends yeah. what you're working on. Will dictate what is a high number, but at the bottom line is, you know, I, I kind of steered off there. Um, you know, my vision of what a high bill is versus of what a customer's vision of a high bill is, is could be totally different. I don't know what that is. I don't know if they lost their job. I, I know. Yeah. They're driving a BMW. There's, you know, you would think they'd have money, but <laughs> maybe that this is maybe they're financing the car. I don't know. Um, and I'm not going to guess as to what their budget is. So gotta have that conversation with them.
0: Right. Right. Well, and and so, you know, when I make an estimate, right, and and now that I'm back to being service advisor extraordinary again, <laughs> um, basically, when I make an estimate, I'm going to prioritize everything that vehicle needs. You know, we follow the 300% rule and basically, and I, I think we all know what the 300% rule is, but maybe we should cover it. We should rehash um, it. Yeah, absolutely. We, we evaluate 100% of all vehicles. We do a, a DVI on every single vehicle. We expect the DVI to take between 30 to 40, 45 minutes. We do a complete write-up on every single issue that was located on the car. So if it has a anything but a green check beside it, we're going to create an estimate for that item, and we are going to present... Every single bit of that. So we, we estimate 100 or we evaluate 100% of the cars, estimate 100% of the concerns located on the car, and we present 100% of those estimates right? And then when we come back to the customer, I'll sit down, I'll say, Hey, listen, you know, I've prioritized this. I have some things on here that are more important than others. You'll be able to look at my estimates and tell the things at the top, they're the highest priority. They were your concerns. And then as you move your way down, we get down to where some things are maintenance concerns. They need to be addressed to prevent further problems down the road. And down here at the bottom, you have some things that are cosmetic or don't need to be done right now. But, you know, I think it's our obligation, you know, One of the things that I I heard somebody say years ago, we were talking about it and he said, uh, you know, if you went to a doctor's office and um, you had a cold and he didn't tell you that he saw a lump on your neck that was cancer, how would you feel about that? So I'd be pretty upset, man, I'd be pissed. He's like, exactly. That's why it's so important. We inform our customers. We're the professionals. It's our job.
2: Absolutely. And uh, I've, I've heard that before. And I, and I think the place I heard it uh, was a. Um, uh, this was back when I was with ATI many many years ago, and I think it was George Zeeks that mentioned it. Uh, and that same thing, it's like you know exactly. You go to the doctor, they see something on your forehead or your throat or whatever. I hope they say something about it because you know if they see if they think it looks something that could be dangerous, you should know about it.
0: Absolutely, and and so I think that we have this fear of doing that, and and I don't know why that is. I mean, I've, I've watched shop owner after shop owner after shop owner do it. And, you know, I've got a lot of shops here in, in North Carolina that I kind of work with and mentor and they're friends of mine. And, and just like David did for me and Dutch did for me, um, I go in and, and try and say, hey, you know, if you need something, if you need some advice or I can help you, please don't hesitate. Reach out, you know. And in doing that, I've seen shop after shop after shop. I think it's almost like a, a, a just a common thing at this point that we're not following this process, that we're not educating our customers. We're not providing this information to them. They bring the car in and somebody comes in and says, hey, uh, I have this problem. Um, you know, I've, I've got a flat tire and we go out to the car and we change the flat tire. We never tell them how much it'll be. We don't ever say anything about it. We put the tire back on and they go down the road. Well, there's some liability involved with that. And I talk to a lot of shop owners and, and they say, why am I liable? They just asked me to fix the tire. Right. But you put your good housekeeping seal of approval on that vehicle. It was an unspoken expectation. You know, Rick's always told me this is an unspoken expectation. They expect their car to be safe and reliable. That's why you have these comebacks where they come back and say, I know you just changed my oil, but now my car doesn't start. Right.
2: Yeah. And everybody if makes the, t- those posts about the sensu- the ever since. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And And so much of this is solved with a conversation. Right. So much of this is solved with educating your customer. I don't know if either one of you saw it a few years back and I'll see if I can find the link. We'll put it in the podcast. But a few years back. There was an older lady, and I want to say it may have been in New Hampshire or Connecticut, and she pulled into a service station because she had a tire um, that had blown out. And she said, I would like my tire fixed. Well, they fixed the tire, and she went down the road, and everything was great. Not long after that, I want to say maybe a week, maybe a month, it, it wasn't too long, a brake line blew out on the car, and she was killed in a car accident, and her family sued the repair facility and won. And when they were sued, the judge looked at the owner of the facility and said, you're a professional. It is your responsibility to ensure that she understands her car is not safe. And they said, well, we were just putting a tire on it. He said, it doesn't matter. You're the professional. Turns out a brake line had blown. I think if, if nothing else, if at least we're putting on the estimate, and I know we're going down a rabbit hole here, but at least if we're putting on the estimate, that, hey, listen, there is a concern that you may need to know about or we've checked the car and and you know we see this, 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 and this. At least when we go to court, that judge is going to look at that and say, hey, you did your very best. You alerted them to other concerns. They didn't want to fix any of that. Yeah, you may not have mentioned the brake line, but gosh, that was awful hard to see. Maybe you couldn't have seen that. But, I mean, even something stupid and simple like a tire change, we don't just send those through the shop. We're going to do a vehicle evaluation on that.
2: No I agree 100 uh, percent you know it, it's I. you know I preached to my advisor and, and he's done a really good job with it is what we're writing these repair orders and I actually learned this when I was a service writer it was a, I was at a jeep dealership and uh, the owner of that jeep dealership was a great guy and a great mentor and uh, he said everything we write on these repair orders is a legal document you have to be able to defend what you put on this repair order as if it went to court you got to It's a legal document and it can be used against you. So whatever you see, just document it, write it. And so my service advisor, he's done a great job of documenting the heck out of everything. And, you know, if there's a question, if the technician wasn't very clear, he'll go and get clarification. And then, you know, either the technician will update the ticket or he'll update the ticket. But at the end of the day, it has to pass muster. We have to be able to document everything that we see good or bad. Um, are you going to catch everything? No, you're not. Right, you're gonna miss. Maybe someone, maybe they did look at it and they missed the brake line. You know, who knows? We don't know that. Um, but you have to at least present things, and it's also a CYA, right? So if you okay. told a customer, um, like we had a the perfect situation um, last week, we had a customer came in for an oil change, and the tech, you know, we parked the car out back. When the tech went to go start the car to start the oil change, hit push, you know, put the key in, hit the start button, click, click, click. Car wouldn't start. Starter was dead. And then you, you we're like, oh, crap. Now we're going to buy a starter. Right. Because the car drove in. Um, well, we looked back in our service history and in July we recommended the starter because he came in yeah. for an intermittent complaint of the, of the car not starting. And we told him that the starter was weak at that time. So we were able to fall back on you know our July repair order. And guess what? He bought the starter. And it was documented and he understood the communication was there. So the expectation, yeah, did he, did he come in expecting to buy a starter? No, but he understood. He knew that the starter was, any day now, was going to fail. And it just happened to fail right there. And so, well, sold him a starter. Customer's happy and drove it back to his house and
0: car's done. Cover your assets. Right. Yeah. And,
1: sorry. And, Cya. And, right. <laughs> did I did I say the wrong one? <laughs> and, and write it out sorry. like it's going to be read in court. Right. Yeah. If it's not on paper, it's a lie. Say. Well, yeah. You but know? once you have, you are putting it on paper, write it out as though it's going to be read out loud in court. And so, if you are detailed enough and it tells the correct story, what actually happened in your mind, um, you'll you'll be covered. I, I think for a lot of shop owners, the the disconnect, the problem is that if you are doing the, the selling and and this isn't true for like, I've had to get over this and and I'm sure you fought it for a while too. Lucas is it's easy for you to just go outside and look at something and, and see under the hood that you maybe see a spark plug wire that's, that's jumping and that's causing the misfire obviously. Right. And, uh, And and maybe you don't go through and and double check to make sure that there's any, any additional engine damage or whatever. That whole process for you is quick and easy and simple and in your mind doesn't carry any value. And so that gets translated over to the customer. You don't think it has any value because it was very simple for you to do. That then gets communicated either explicitly or implicitly to the customer that there's no value behind what you just went out and did your years of experience, your years of knowledge, all the different uh, vehicles that you've had to run into that you've maybe gotten burned on with it just being a simple spark plug wire jumping and you didn't catch it the first time. And so you're chasing this misfire for hours and it turns out to just be a spark plug wire. Now you know to check it. And so all that gets discounted in your mind and you don't don't have a, a formalized process when the customer comes in to tell them that, hey, we need to do our due diligence. We need to make sure we do a full inspection on the vehicle or assessment. We need to make sure that we are checking which cylinder is misfiring. We're running codes. We're checking and make sure there is no internal engine damage, that there's no other components that could be causing or that was maybe damaged due to the faulty spark plug wire uh, and therefore is going to cost X amount of dollars. All that gets discounted in the shop owner's mind, and it is a fight, a struggle to get that mindset to shift.
0: Amen. Amen. And and here's the thing, right? And And I think this is where we all go wrong, right? This is where we all miss it. And it's such a problem is that when we get into this situation, right, we go out there and we look at this car and we say, okay, yeah, I can fix that really quick. But then that customer has that expectation that if something goes wrong, we're responsible for it. Right. And I think that's where I began to make this really big shift when this this popped up for me is that I realized there was a pain associated with that, even though I was right. Right. I've gone out and I've looked at this car. I know this is what it was. I recommend the repair, but now something else is going on with the car so that I use that pain point to shift in my business. And I turned into this situation where now we look at every single car right? And and when I'm talking to my customers and they say, uh, well, oh my gosh, you, you, you're going to charge me to tell me what's wrong with it. I can go to AutoZone and do that. Or the guy down the street doesn't charge. And I'm just really politely going to say, hey, you know, I completely understand Mrs. Customer. But when we charge you to determine what the cause is, it's our responsibility if we're wrong. And a lot of these places that you go to, if they're not charging you, They'll change parts all day. They may not have charged you to test it, but they're going to charge you to change the parts and it may not fix the concern. Have you ever been to a facility who changed a part and it didn't correct the problem? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm so hesitant, right? Well, that's why I'm going to charge you because then it's my responsibility that if we're wrong, we're going to make this right, okay? Right. And I I think that that it's about that pain point that's created that in me, because there is not one soul that's going to walk through the door. And, you know, I'm a good old country boy. Right. I built this business. Yeah, but you're smooth, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I built this business with with folks from a small country town. Right. And they would come in and we were all buddy buddies. And I started to realize I had all these friends that were only around when they needed something. Right. And so I got to paying attention to these folks and they had a lot of expectations for me. And I realized I was spending a lot of time helping them. And and don't get me wrong, I still want to help them. But now I realize that if I want to help them properly, that means I have to charge them. Right. I have to set up a time so I can properly look at the vehicle. And that time in that bay, very simply, it's my labor inventory. Right, I have to look at that bay and in that bay, I've got this many hours of a day and I have to book time into it just like the doctor does, just like the dentist does, just like everybody else. I'm selling my time. I'm selling a portion of that bay's time. I have to charge appropriately if you want to come into this bay and and have us look at your vehicle. And in exchange for that, I am going to provide you a quality service that when I tell you that's what it is, I'm responsible for it, not you. Right. And so I think that it's just setting uh, my mind down and saying, Hey, listen, mind, this is how we're going to do it from now on. Nobody's walking through that door and you're running out and hooking up a a scan tool and reading the codes and going for a drive and doing all these other things. Yeah, we'll run out and check the codes for free. Yep. That looks like something we're going to need to get in and do some testing. Or, Hey, that's not a concern. You know, we saw that last time. It's the same thing popping up and you didn't want to fix it then. You know, if you want to go ahead and get it fixed, we can get you in, but it's the same code. Right. But it, it's how that shift be... in your mind. What do you mean?
1: You didn't start out that way. I know. Well, I, I, think, didn't. I think what he's
2: asking is what was the uh, point that made Catalyst. you change? Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's the right word.
0: Well, you know, a I hired Rick and um, I would do these things over and over again. And he called on to that. He was looking at the ARO. Now we had a really high ARO. But he also was noticing that I was kind of, I'd go out and look at a job and say, oh, yeah, it's just this. And I'd send it down the road. And he said, you don't realize how much liability is involved with that. There's a ton of liability. So that was kind of the first thing. I'd never thought of it in that light. But the more I paid attention to it, I realized that it prevented me from setting proper expectations with my customer right? It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the dollars. It was about controlling the circumstance of the engagement with the customer. I need to have the vehicle dropped off. It's going to take me four to six hours to look at the vehicle. I can't do that with them. Just pulling in the parking lot, and asking me to take a look at it. This became part of the process that allows me to serve my customer at a high level. It's not just about the money. It's about serving my customer at a high level.
1: Do you take waiters to <laughs> Uh currently with
2: COVID, we have actually closed our waiting room. So the answer is no. Um, and we go, we're, you know, we're in Maryland. So we're, let's just say we're very sensitive to COVID, right? Some people think it's a hoax and I'm not going to get into that debate, but the, the, in Maryland, it's, it's a very sensitive subject. So we're very cautious and very careful. Um, so so uh, pre-COVID, let's say. Pre-COVID, I didn't like them. Um, I, Nobody likes them. I mean, I, I, I was just, I, I can't convert a waiting customer into a good customer. Maybe that's my inability to sell. I don't know. I, I just, I can't complete a thorough inspection because they're rushing us. You know, it's, it takes two hours to, to look at a car and write an estimate and yeah. someone who just wants an oil and filter change and they want to wait for it. They're not going to want to wait that long. And I agree the perspective of, you know, there is a coaching company that says, you know, find the one thing I, I, that that's hard for me because it's, we work on BMWs for crying out loud. Are you, do you know how hard it is to find just one thing? (laughs) I mean, we get writers. You gotta pick,
1: yeah. You you gotta pick which one thing are we going to show them? Right.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Um, and I just, I, I, you know, it it may work for some, and I'm not going to poo-poo it, right? I mean, it, it's to each their own. It just didn't. I could not get it to work. I really wanted to, and I and I was sold on the idea, and I was sold on, well, if they're not going to buy the one thing, they're not going to buy anything else. So why would I waste my time with a full inspection? But like you said, we're the professionals. They're coming to us for an oil change, an oil and filter change, and they think that's all they want to get, but. <sighs> What if the wheel bearing's about to fall off? You know, what if the control arm bushings are so shot that it's going to destroy the control arm when we could just do the bushing now? Uh, what if, you know, what if the oil filter housing gasket's leaking onto the belt and it's going to cause the belt to come off and it's going to get stuck behind the crank pulley and just wipe out the main seal, the front main seal? Now you got belt shrapnel in the engine. So we could have done a $700 oil filter housing gasket. Now they got to do $5,000 worth of work because it's oh by the way it's also a front wheel, an all-wheel drive car. So the, right. you know, the axle goes through the, the the oil pan. So it, it's. Amen. Amen. And this is what we do. This is our profession. It's just like you said, the whole doctor's office thing. You know, it, it, it's it's to me, it's that argument. And if someone is waiting, I agree. They're not going to sit there after two hours for us to tell them they need four thousand hours worth of work. I agree 100 percent, which is why the waiters just don't work for me. I can't get them to convert. Um, I, I can try to do an oil change and knock it out, but it's still going to be there at least two hours.
0: Right. And, and look, that's exactly what I tell my customers when they come in. Hey, listen, you're, you're more than welcome to wait on it. But typically an oil change, even a state inspection, you're looking at a minimum of an hour, usually two to two and a half hours. And they're like, what? I'm like, listen, we're, we're very thorough and your safety and the reliability of your vehicle is very important to us. And I can't do the job that I know I need to do with your vehicle in an hour. I know I can't do it in thirty minutes. And they're like, "Well, we have a shop
1: that's um, that that's local here. Uh, They sell cheap oil changes. That they drive uh, a lot of car count into their bays with cheap oil changes. That's their shtick. They do the just one thing, um, sort of." They're looking for low-hanging fruit. So they get the vehicle in. These vehicles are typically clapped out. And the, the, the oil change, I think, is $15. Or it was $15 at one point uh, j- just here recently. And they're looking for brakes, steering suspension, maybe a gasket, something obvious. They're not doing a thorough inspection. Safety isn't their concern. It's what can I sell quickly right now. Cause I may never see this vehicle again. And we have, I think six of them here in Kansas city that, that all do very well. They're always busy because every week in your, the supermarket flyer is this guy's mug with the $15 oil change. And he's got other coupons on there, but it's mostly fit. That's what drives the car count is the, the $15 oil changes. And so these, these vehicles show up and, and, that that's their shtick. That's what they do. They they look at the vehicle, and say, hey, you need brakes and you've got this gasket leaking. Let's fix that. Let's ignore the the radiator that's about to burst. Let's look because those things aren't obvious. And, and they're not doing a full inspection. They're doing a quick inspection. They they need to find something to justify that $15 oil change. And flip the bay as quickly as possible, so they definitely don't want to get into anything too deep. What can we do as quickly as possible on this vehicle to be able to flip it at maximum profitability? Uh, and and so, a lot of customers, a lot of people go there. They get soured on the experience, and then they show up here and they almost expect the same, the same thing. So what? What do you mean? I can't, I can't get my old change done in thirty minutes. So no, it's ninety minutes to two hours because we're Isn't doing that a full inspection. Yeah. And they think it's, and that's sort of the problem. And that's, that's the point I'm bringing up is how how do you guys deal with that? And maybe not for you, Stefan, because you, you're dealing with higher end cars, but you know, you still have the, the BMW that thinks going down to Valvoline and their oil change at the Valvoline place is the same thing as your oil change. There's no difference in their mind. And that's sort of what we're fighting here with these, these discount places and the national chains all do it too. We have a tires plus, we've got Firestone, we got NTB or their big O tire. Now they're surrounding me and they do the same thing. They're all looking for quick, uh, quick items that, that will turn the bay at maximum profitability. And they're not interested necessarily in ensuring that vehicle is maximally reliable and maximally safe. That That's not their concern. Their concern is what can I find right now? to be able to turn this $20 oil change, $25 oil change into a, a $1,000 ticket that then I can turn the bay quickly because they'll be able to knock out the suspension work easily. H- how do you deal with that Wh- when these customers are coming in and you're having to set expectations? What what kind of approaches do you guys take? Well, I think Lucas hit it on the head earlier
2: uh, with his presentation of why it takes that long to do an oil service. Um you know, it's it's you just have to have that conversation, and some people are going to get it, some people aren't, and you have to be willing to accept the fact that some people are not going to want that. Whether they need it or not is irrelevant; they're just not going to want it, so you're not going to get them as a client.
0: Exactly, exactly. And here's the thing: is I'll just set them down and I'll talk to them about it, and I'll say, "Mrs. Customer." you know, I hear you telling me that the the experiences you've had everywhere else weren't a great experience. I would love to have the opportunity to show you something different because we do things differently here. We really care about you. We believe you're part of our family. And in doing so, we have to make sure that your vehicle is safe and reliable. And it's a modern automobile. It's not something that I can do in 30 minutes. In in all honesty, it is going to take me two hours to three hours to properly review your vehicle and ensure that I can say your vehicle is safe for you and your family. Now, Mrs. Customer, I completely understand if we're not a good fit for you. I know some really great shops in town. But if this is something that you're interested in pursuing. <laughs> well, I'm hold on. You just it.
1: talked out of both sides of your mouth here. Are they really great shops in town that can do it? Get you in and out in 15 minutes? They'll have He's a running oil change? They they don't even, I understand, but why call them great shops? They're like, hey, they're not even going to turn the engine off. They're just going to drain the oil from the bottom and fill it from the top while the car's running. You don't even have to turn it (laughs) off.
2: No no matter what the the quality of the shop we're we're sending people to, we never poo poo that shop, right? We're just, you got to remain, because if if you do, then you look like the bad guy and you look like the one that's unprofessional because you're calling other people out, right? So, but if you're staying professional, hey, look, they run a great business. They do things their way. We do things our way. You know, which Mr. Customer, Miss Customer, which one's most important to you? Is, is the safety of your family more important to you or do you just <laughs> want a quick number at, in and out? You know, it, it's obviously I'm being a little brash, but you know, you, you that's the gist of what we're telling them.
1: It's yeah, well, I agree with you, which was my point. I think the, the, the more thorough is is far superior. It's, I think it's disingenuous to the customer. I think you're, You're being deceitful almost and saying that, Hey, if you just come in, I can do your oil change in 15 minutes. And I I went to go visit a shop in South Carolina and I'm driving by, I think they're called 15 minute oil change. I think that's the name of the shop. They are. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So how are you doing any oil change on any modern vehicle in 15 minutes? you know just looking up the uh the the maintenance minder <laughs> reset procedures right it is well, going to take you a few minutes like you got to be kidding and, me
0: and see that's my point right so that's what i'm trying to say is that that by explaining it the way that i explain it i'm already telling them that i don't have to talk bad about the other shop i just I'm not to saying explore. to talk
1: bad about the other shop by the way i'm just saying i i don't know that i would call them an, a great shop or they run a great business or anything like that i i just i couldn't say that no so i'd be like uh Uh, there are other shops in the area that that can accommodate you. Right. uh, I I guess my point
0: is this is, is that there are shops in town that I work with that they don't do any evaluation on the vehicle. They'll pull it right in. They'll do an oil change and they'll get it right out. That that's what they do. And they're great shops. I know them. They, they're not interested in changing their business model. They're not interested in doing it differently. Um, They're not going to do an inferior job or use an inferior product on the car, but they're also not going to do the evaluation. They're also not going to jump in here and say, um, you know, hey, listen, we see a serious concern. There's a safety concern. There's a reliability concern. They're going to do exactly what you ask them to do. They're going to pull the car back out. They're going to put you back on the road. And if that's what the customer's looking for, I can't say to the customer, no, you're looking for the wrong thing. I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. No, I have to guide them. I have to show them what's right. I have to give them the information they need to make an informed decision and understand that the way that we've been doing auto repair is not the right way right and I I, I uh, yeah, I said it right What we have been doing has not been the right way. Now there's a lot of shops who are doing it the right way. I'm not saying that everybody's doing it wrong. That's not my point, but the way that that the consumer is led to believe that auto repair works is the wrong way and so it's my job to change and and help educate my customers change their perspective get them on a new leaf of auto repair life right um (laughs) and show them we're we're on equal footing though
1: that's the frustration they see us that they, they think we're on equal footing they think that shop down the street that isn't doing the evaluation that isn't capable of doing most repairs uh is the same thing as what you're offering And and you know, they don't send their guys to training. They don't have factory uh, equipment
0: or information. Listen to me. No, no, listen to me, right? I'm going to tell you something my wife said a while back. And, uh, you know, we were eating dinner and I told her about this one customer that I knew had gone somewhere else. And they were Mm -hmm. getting their vehicle worked on. And she said, you know... She said, you're you're in the middle of the fire, so you may not see this. But she said, you know, every customer we've ever had go somewhere else. She said, you realize they come back, right? And I said, what do you mean? She said, every customer that's ever left us to go somewhere else, unless they moved away or died, has come back at some point, and they are now back part of our family. She said, it's because they realized the grass wasn't always greener on the other side. Now, there's sure. some customers... Let me be clear. There are some customers. Personality. So if anybody, right, right yeah. if they if, if, right, if, if there are shops in town listening to this and they say, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I've got some of Lucas's customers, they're not here for a reason. I'm just going to leave it at that.
2: <laughs> well, I, you <laughs> know, I don't know. I think, I, I also, I also think there's different strokes for different folks, right? Um everybody's going to have their own different style and whether mine is the right way or not. You know, I had a customer, a very good customer of mine. He uh, moved to, uh, to um, Lake Norman in North Carolina, I believe. Yeah. And he uh, told me, Stefan, I like you. I don't always like what you have to tell me, but I know, I know you're going to tell me the truth. So some people just want to hear what they want to hear they don't want to be told what's the truth and they'll they'll be upset with you and think you're the one that caused this headache in their life. Right. Yeah. So and that maybe I'm just not a really good presenter, but I, I, I kind of just hey, your your oil filter housing gasket's leaking. Don't you know if, if you don't fix it, just Google, you know, BMW oil filter housing gasket and you'll see that Google will actually finish the sentence for you. And then they'll show you pictures of what happens if you don't fix it. So I'm not making this up. Right. So I just I show it. There's there's the pictures. We showed you the oil leak. If you want to do it. Great. If you don't want to do it. Hey, my car runs fine.
0: You know. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it it's I think it's really interesting to hear you put it that way. Right. And and be that blunt and put it out there. Hey, look, I'm, I'm not BSing you. It, it doesn't matter to me if you want to fix your car or not. Here it is. You know, one thing I'll say to that, and and it's something that took me a little bit of time to figure out. And, and you know, when I started working with Rick um, and he was teaching me the sales process, right? Because I was a technician and then I became a service advisor and I'm slowly becoming a business owner. And, and yeah, I bought the business way before I became a business owner. I'm still not a business owner. Let's be clear about that. Um, but the reality is, is that You know, as we get into this conversation with the customer and we present something to them, I used to get really upset when I would say, Hey, uh, Mr. Customer, uh, the estimate that I have for you today is $9,000. And they'd say, Oh my God, or what? And I'd get upset, right? And I could feel my blood boil, and I could, I could tell that, uh oh, you know, now I'm gonna have to explain this, and they don't think they can trust me, and all this stuff. And Rick always told me, just shut up. What do you mean, just shut up? He's like, that doesn't have anything to do with you. They, they just found out they're spending a whole lot more money than they have or want to spend. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Slow down. And I think that that in the same way as what you're saying right now, Stephane, is is don't become emotionally attached to the process. Don't become emotionally attached that that, hey, listen, you don't have to believe me and trust me. Here you go. Here's the information. You can look right here. You can see it yourself, but you don't have to believe me. It's okay. Cool. Right. And be okay with that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a big mental shift, though. Being able to to not care, walk away from the sale, compartmentalize well that,
2: that's where you have to in your own mind, you have to think to yourself, well, my car runs fine I, i'm I'm going home today <laughs> you know? so right. it's in your own right. mind that's how you separate yourself from the situation is you just have to you know uh obviously be be polite, be friendly and smile and well, you know they they say smile while're on the phone because it makes a big difference on people can actually feel the tone of your voice changes um and Absolutely. people like to deal with people that are happy, so that's a whole nother sales pitch thing but uh or sales training thing, but it's, it's, um, you're right. It, it's one, it's how you present it, but two, you're right. Don't, don't, don't get upset. It's, I mean, you know, it sucks. It, it's, it stinks that you're having to give someone bad news, but, you know, it's not as if you're a doctor having to tell someone that some, you know, that their loved one is about to die. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, this is just a piece of metal.
0: You know, it, it's really funny that you say that because I was sitting here thinking about it and I will see if I can find the link and I'll share it with both of you. There is a video um, and it's about Mount Sinai Hospital and it's about the palliative care team and it's talking about caring for people and, and alerting to people about the end of their life. And I know it sounds dark and I know it sounds grim, but that really lightened my mood when it came to the sales process. Because it made me realize how small this decision really is, right? What we're talking to them about right now may be uncomfortable to them right here in this minute, but it's just a car. The, in the grand scheme of things, this is tiny. I can say to my customer, I completely understand that's a lot of money. You know, if you if you think you need to, to trade it or, or sell it or whatever you think's best, you know, I support you, whatever you make, whatever decision you make we're not talking about explaining to someone that they've got hours to live or days to live or months to live. And I think that, that when I watched that video, it was a, an epiphany for me that I realized that I had put so much emphasis on how big of a deal it was fixing these cars and selling the service. But in reality, it was tiny, right? It was nothing at all. It was a tiny, just little fleck on on the the existence of them. Right. And I think it's so important that we recognize that.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny that we go down this path. Uh, I, I'm going to share something that, uh, uh, one of my best friends from childhood passed away yesterday. Uh, we found out in oh, mid September that, uh, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, but uh, we found out in mid September that he was, um, uh, he had stage four cancer and they expected about 12 weeks to live. Um, and, uh, you know it was getting progressively worse uh, last sunday not this past one but the one before i went out to visit him with a bunch of friends um and he was walking around and but he couldn't talk right his brain had already lost some motor functions um and so uh and then i get a call on wednesday night of last week that uh you know which i'm kind of glad we didn't have our appointment last week uh but um that's when they told me uh, he slipped into a coma. He's not doing so well. So the next, after the next day, Thursday, I went to see him. And there he was laying in his deathbed. And you know, it was very emotional for me because I'd known this guy since we were kids. And um, right. But it just goes back to, you know, this is even when you get a bad review, man, eh, who cares? Who right. cares? Ooh. Who freaking cares? You know, small people's. Apples. Right. Let's just take care of, 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 you know. Let's let's provide value, right? Let's let's help people in their lives, right? Let's do what we can to, to make things make this world a better place. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I had a really good friend of mine who's who's my dad's attorney, and you know I, I was upset about something, and, and he says, you know, in the big picture, every day you wake up, think to yourself, how can I make today? How can I make the world better today? And just. Right. Just think about that, and and that will pull all these little things into perspective, right? So let's focus on what's really important, but at the same time, obviously, to make our lives better when we're talking about running a shop, yeah, let's make sure that we're estimating things to the customer. Let's make sure that the customer can see um, the value and the service that we provide and explain the process. Um, So for us, you know, you mentioned it. You asked me earlier if if we're if if how we handle waiters. Right now our our waiting room is closed. Um, So we're and we're telling folks and and here's what we're doing. Once you drop off the vehicle, we do ozone the car. Right. We have an ozone machine. We put it in the car for about 15 to 20 minutes wait the car ventilate for another 15 to 20 minutes. Then we don't want technicians jumping from one car to the other. So as soon as a technician is done and it could be right away, it could be an hour, it could be two hours. Once they're available, then they'll work on your car. Once they're done, you know, the, even the oil change, I tell them that takes about two hours. Okay. So, and then once they're done, then if, if, if nothing, no other work is done, then we're going to have to ozone the vehicle again. And that's, you know, so that we're, we're talking a minimum of four hours and you have to drop off the car or we'll go pick it up for an oil and filter change. And some customers, they're like, wow, you go through all that? Man, I actually had someone said – "I," she said, I feel for you guys. I can't believe you have to go through all that to, to do it. I'm like, well, we don't have to. We just do it because we want to keep everybody safe. And so many folks are like, I really appreciate that. Um, I can drop off the car tomorrow or they'll say, oh, yeah, no, that's not important to me. So, and I'm like, I guess we're not a fit. You know, it is what it is.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, look, I, I think that that one of the things – that so many shop owners struggle with is is they they feel like it's the customer's fault or the the customer is doing something right and I've said it in the podcast before I sat in a uh, in a training class with Malin Newton speaking and and the whole time he was speaking I was realizing oh man I owe some people some apologies and it was this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, and I could feel my chest tightening up because I was realizing more and more that all of these issues I were uh, I was experiencing in the shop didn't have anything to do with my customers. It was all me. It was how I was handling things. It's how I was explaining things. It's how I was not explaining things. It was, it was my actions and the, the thought process and the policies and procedures within the shop were broken. They didn't work, right? And the easiest person I could find to blame was the customer. So when I started improving things, those things got better and better, and I changed my thought process. My thought process became, how can I do what's best for my customer? How can I do what's best for my employees? That is the focus of everything we do. So when we talk about estimating, when we talk about creating DVIs, when we talk about setting expectations, I think it's very, very simple when you take it back to a very granular level and you say, what's number one? Well, you care about your customer. You do what's best for them. You put yourself in their shoes. So for us, the first part of the process is, Mrs. Customer, it's going to be X number of dollars to test your vehicle. Here's the estimate. Do you have any questions or concerns with the estimate? No, it looks good. Go ahead and proceed, right? So we pull the vehicle in, we perform the evaluation, and we tell our story. What do I mean by tell my story? I, I go over everything the technician has. I, I look at the pictures. I look at the videos. I document all that, and I begin to tell a story about the condition of the vehicle. I begin to talk about their concern. What is your concern? How does it affect the vehicle? What's causing it? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? I explain it in great detail so they understand exactly what they're up against. And then I explain the consequences of not correcting the concern. Not in a scary way, not in a mean way, just bluntly. If you don't correct this, this is what happens, right? And I go down the list and every single thing the technician finds, that's exactly what I do. It's not to scare them. It's to make sure they understand what it can do, what it can cause, what are the effects of doing or not doing this now. What is this, right? So with brake fluid, we explain uh, that it absorbs moisture and the concerns that it can cause within the brake system and what the manufacturers say about it. We're not just putting on there needs brake fluid exchange. No, we're explaining why it needs it. We're educating our customers as we go. We present the estimate to the customer. We say, Mrs. Customer, uh, here's our recommendations. Um, I've, I've prioritized them from the top down. But we go through and we explain to the customer exactly what's going on with the vehicle. We educate the customer about the concerns that we're seeing with the vehicle. We give them every bit of the information that they need to make an informed decision. And then we put it in their hands. Now, I'm a little bit different. I'm not like everybody else where I'll call them and have a really high-pressure sales conversation. In our shop, what I do is I call and say, hey, Mrs. Customer, I just wanted to let you know, here's the things we've talked about. And I'm going to be sending this over to you here in just a few minutes. I want you to be able to make the decision on your own time. I don't want this to be a high-pressure event. I want you to be able to take time and look at this and, and make a decision that you feel good about. If it were me, here's what I would do. And that would cost X and I send it to them, and they do what I recommend.
2: Yeah, we do a very similar thing. We do a very similar thing. Um, so one thing I, I we, we didn't talk about, and this was mentioned in the post, and this is kind of what brought me to ask you, hey, we should have a podcast about this. And I know you guys were already thinking about it, so it's not like I'm but so they were talking about, well, we told them it would be two hours of this or three hours of that or an hour, and I'm like – People don't understand what that is. You have to tell them in dollars. So when you're estimating something, front brakes, just it's going to cost, you know, pads and rotors and sensors are going to cost X, Y, Z for the whole thing. Parts, labor, tax, everything has to be included in that price that you give them, right? Because they don't understand dollars. They don't, I mean, they don't understand labor hours. And if you break it down, the parts are this, the, you know, the labor is this, the tax is this, the shop fees are this, you just spend. Bat off a bunch of numbers, and they they most people didn't capture any of it. You just give them a number, just just one number. You say your brakes are going to cost this. Now some people, you know, they can um, package it up, right? So the safety issues are going to cost you twelve hundred bucks. The maintenance issues are going to cost you another seven hundred bucks, and then the other items are going to cost you another four hundred dollars. So whatever works for you, just focus on dollars, right? The presentation, read your customer. I think most people can yeah. can can gauge on how the customer is going to run it. We do a different presentation where, you know, we have tech metrics. So we'll, we'll text them the report, um, the technicians report we will go over the technicians report. We'll say so we'll say, OK, now you see that little picture right there. Yeah. Click on that. OK, now you see where I circled the red. You see the crack in the rubber. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's that's why we need to replace this part. OK, now let's move on to the next thing. And then the next thing. Then the next thing we go over everything. And then when we're done. I'm going to, you know, my service writer does it differently than I do. But the way I do it is I'll text them while I'm on the phone with them. I'll text them the estimate and then I'll say, OK, so you remember that rubber thing we we're talking about? Yeah, that's what this is. So if, I would recommend you approve that. OK, that, that oil pan gasket that was just wet around the gasket. It's not urgent. Decline that, you know, the oil filter housing gasket that's leaking on the belt. Yeah, we need to do that. That's important. The brake fluid change. It's at four percent. We need to do that. You know, and then so they literally approve and decline while I'm on the phone with them. And then they hit the submit button and then I go to refresh my screen and I'm like, yep. So it looks like you approved this, 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 this and this. The total is going to be X. I'll have the car ready for you tomorrow afternoon. Do you need another car to drive? Exactly.
0: Yep. And, and setting that expectation, right? I, I think this all comes back to setting proper expectations. How long is it going to take? When's the car going to be ready for pickup? What does it look like when it's done? What's the exact price I'm going to owe when I get to the shop? Right? Those are all absolutely key, absolutely key for a good customer relationship. And and it's like shop owners are terribly afraid to say, Mrs. Customer, it's going to be $139.90, $139.95 or $200 to test your car. They're afraid, right? But 99.99% of the time, it doesn't matter. The customer came to you because they want the car fixed. They came to you because they trust you. They came to you because they know you're ethical, right? If you soil that uh, belief that you are honest and ethical by telling them after the fact you charged them to test it, by not giving them the written estimate up front, by not being transparent, boys you've done yourself a disservice let me tell you
1: i think the hesitancy is for shop owners is the expectation that they're going to fight you or they're going to question you on the price or whatever the dollar amount you want to give them up front i had a a mentor come in and he he was watching us this was years and years ago but he was watching us interact with a with a customer and the the customer was giving me a list of things that she wanted me to to check on the vehicle, and she's like, "This light's not working, and I need to check the brakes. And I need an oil change. And I want this, that, and the other." And and I said, "Okay, we'll we'll get it uh, looked at, and I'll, and I'll give you a call." She left, and he turns around and he goes, "You didn't discuss how much all this was going to cost." I said, "Well, we're just going to check it," <laughs> and, and he's like, "No, no, no." She, I guarantee you she did not walk in the door expecting you to do all these quote-unquote checks for free. I guarantee you she walked in the door expecting a charge for every single one of these items. So everything should have carried an item. Okay, we're going to check the brakes. It's X amount of dollars. We're going to do oil filter service. It's going to be X amount of dollars. Uh, We're going to do electrical testing on the the turn signals. It's going to be this much. Your total right now is going to be X amount of dollars. If there's going to be any additional charges, I'll give you a call. Uh, Or if we end up finding out what it needs and we can do an estimate from there, I'll give you a call with that estimate. But because I didn't set that expectation, I didn't say that up front to them. And some of it was fear. Some of it was in my mind. and, And I mentioned this earlier. In my mind, I thought, we'll have the car on the rack already, so it'll be really easy to inspect the brakes. It's going to be really easy for me to do a quick check on the turn signal. It's going to be really easy for me to do all these things. I wasn't assigning enough value to what I was bringing to the table. I wasn't assigning any value to what I was doing all my years of knowledge and, and, and experience throwing it out the door because of the fear that if I didn't see any value in it, and that's usually what it is, the shop owner doesn't see any value in it. And therefore that ends up, Coming across to the customer, and even if you do present a price, even if you do go, yeah, it's going to be you know two hundred seventy-eight dollars to go through this. You're hesitant. You're you're hesitant to present that price because you yourself don't see any value in it. That's why you see a lot of shop owners once they hire a service advisor, the their ARO goes up because that the service advisor, especially if they're a professional. They understand the value that the technician's bringing. They understand the value in getting all these things checked. It's not free. It shouldn't be free. And therefore, they're okay selling it to the customer up front, being very forthright with the charges. Um, I I think that's key. So it ends up being a a mindset shift for the service, uh, for the shop owner to get to the point where, yeah, everything we check, if we're touching it on the car, there is a charge assigned to it.
0: Yeah, and and look, even if you don't do it right that minute, right while they're there, because you know, for me, for instance, it can be hard to get an estimate come to to come together that quickly, right? Sometimes I sure. need to sit down and think about what we're going to do, Mrs. Customer. We'll be in touch in just a little bit with an estimate to test each one of these things. We'll get your approval before we proceed, right?
1: Yeah, and that's that's can... what I say for, to to everybody that calls in. I tell my service advisors to tell them. We will not charge you a dime without your explicit approval. Right, that sets everybody at ease. the The customer, yes. because that's that's always for us, at least in our in my experience, that ends up being the fight on the phone. Well, how much do you charge to do this? I got to look at the vehicle. Well, I, I need to know how much it's going to be before I bring it down there because I don't know if I have enough. Is that I will tell you what, we can we can do this assessment for this price, and I won't charge you another dime without your explicit approval. Right, And that ends up easing their mind that, yeah, I know I'm going to walk in and spend whatever, $70, 80 100 $150, whatever that dollar amount is, that's all I've spent in my mind. And I know that I'm not going to get surprised because I think for a lot of customers, that ends up being the fear. I'm going to walk into that shop and walk out with you a know, $2,000 bill. I'm not going to be able to pay it. What am I going to do? I'm going to freak out uh, and not be able to get my car back. Uh, and, and I'm not gonna be able to pay the bill. I don't know what I'm going to do. I remember very, very vividly, uh, one of my very first experiences at a shop with my very, I guess it was my second vehicle. I walk in there and I had them do something with the brakes and I get up to the counter and I'm looking at the bill and I'm like, what's this $20 charge? And they're like, that's our inspection fee. And, of course, I, I knew what was wrong with the car, and I told them, right? And I'm like, no, no, I told you what was wrong with the car. Well, what are you charging me the fee for? And, he go, and you, you did exactly what I told you you needed to do because that, that's what was obviously wrong with the vehicle. Uh, why are you charging me the fee? And the guy's like, well, we have to charge that fee anytime we're doing anything on brakes. Now, they, they didn't tell me that up front man did that sour me (laughs) right yeah Uh, my my immediate thought was man these shops are just screwing people over 20 bucks to do something to check the system over and they never called me and told me that they had inspected the the brakes and that they they didn't communicate with me they if he had told me up front bring it down we'll be happy to take a look at your brakes there's a 1999 and and the 20 dollars was whatever but at the time i was broke i was 19 years old i was broke um if the guy had just communicated with me and said it's going to be 1999, we'll do a full inspection to make sure that the only thing it needs is what you're telling us, and if that's the case, then the the charge is going to be X amount of dollars, or then we'll call you with a full estimate with a proper estimate to to so you'll know exactly what the charge is going to be. Uh, I, I probably would have been okay with it, but they didn't tell me; they sprung it on me at the counter when I came to pay.
0: Right, and and that's shady, right? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. And and you know, look, um, I I you bring up a very very touchy subject that I see in ASOG all the time. People are always asking, well, how much do you charge to check brakes? I'm like, what are you talking about? I charge an hour to check brakes. What? How how can I do that? Listen, you're dealing with the single largest safety system on the vehicle. If something fails with that brake system, you're talking about some major problems, right? Especially if you're riding down the road at 70 mile an hour. And so we're giving this away, right? We're saying, oh, yeah, not a big deal. You know, hey, we'll just check it out. Listen, when I talk to my customers and, and through changing my process, I've learned more and more about what customers are experiencing elsewhere. So when I'm talking to a customer and I say, hey, Mrs. Smith, uh, it's a, it's going to be around $140 to do a complete brake system evaluation. She'll say, you're going to charge me to check my brakes. Yes, ma'am, but I'm not just going to look to the wheels and look at your pads and tell you that the pads are thick or thin. That's that's not an adequate inspection of your brake system. You see, Mrs. Smith, this is the single largest safety system on your vehicle, and if It's my job to keep your vehicle safe and reliable. I have to do a more thorough inspection. Mrs. Smith, I'm going to measure the rotors. I'm going to check the runout to ensure that the runout is correct so we don't have a pulsation down the road. Um, I'm going to verify that the rotors can be reused. I'm going to measure the inside and the outside pad. That gives us an indication if the brake calipers could be sticking or dragging. Maybe they're hanging a little bit. Um, We're also going to compress the calipers. We're going to inspect the brake hoses, the brake lines. We're going to inspect each part of the brake system for you. This helps us understand exactly what we need to do to provide an adequate estimate. Mrs. Customer, I'm sure you've been to a shop where they said, yep, you need brake pads. And then they call back and they say, well, and you need rotors too. And then they call back and they say, well, ma'am, those calipers, gosh, those things sure are tight. We can't get them to compress. And oh, by the way, the one on the back, the bleeder broke off. I'd rather tell you that up front. And I think it builds a better relationship for you and I in the future. And guess what she says? Gosh, I wish I'd been coming here all along. Right? It, 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 we put this thing that it's about price, it's about money. No, it's not about money. We've got to stop thinking this is about money. This is about value. This is about getting into a situation where instead of Saying, hey, listen, uh, you know, um, gosh, Mrs. Smith, uh, I hate to tell you, but uh, gosh, I'm going to have to charge you $140 to look at your brakes. Mrs. Smith, I know what's best for you, and it's best if we do a complete brake system evaluation. Here's the expectation that you can have for that evaluation. Now, why does it work? It's because they have had bad experiences in the past. We have to show them we're not the same.
2: That's great. And, uh, you know, uh... That's a fantastic approach, and uh, when you when you're going into that much detail, um, I, I think a, a good question would be for for some folks who are listening in is is how do you get to that point where you're that confident in your explanation of the process and um, you know so I'll, I'll ask you that question what How did you get to that point? Was it just practice? Did you look in a mirror and, and test it out? Were you were you role playing with your service writers? Like, what 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 was something that got you over the hump and got you more comfortable in explaining
0: that process? He popped out of the womb talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, here's the deal: is is that for me, it comes back to one simple thing, and you'll hear me say it over and over again. I'm that confident. Because I know I'm doing what's best for my customer. And I'll say it again. it's I am that confident because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am doing what is best for my customer. I'm not questioning myself. I'm not questioning my technicians. I know that everyone here is serving the best interest of that customer. I know the reason we charge that is because it is what is best for that customer. So step number one is confidence in yourself and your process because you've got to know what's best for them. The customer doesn't always know what's best. It's our job to educate them. It's our job to guide them. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be sour about it. You have to educate them and guide them. And when I know I'm doing what's best, it's as simple as understanding what that process needs to look like. Right, and and how do I get confident with the process? Well, I know what we're doing, right? We we sit down and we said, how do we ensure, right? So maybe we had a, a rotor pulsation come back, okay? How do we ensure that doesn't happen again? Well, we can check runout, we can we can ensure that we we measure the rotors, right? It it all goes back to the process. We build a process like that to solve certain problems, and when we built the process. As a team, we all know that each one of those things serves a specific purpose, and all I'm doing is explaining it to my customer so she understands this is the level we're willing to go to for you to make sure your vehicle's safe and reliable, to make sure that you have confidence. When you put your child in that vehicle, you don't have to worry about it.
1: Jordan Belfort, uh, the Wolf, uh, Wall Street guy. He, he says that selling is a transference of certainty when you approach right. the sale with absolute certainty that emanates from you to the the prospect, and they're more likely to buy when you're absolutely certain about what it is that you're selling uh, and, and that's after the, the questions and making sure that it's the right fit. The, this is assuming that what you have to offer is the exact right thing for that person. but once you have once you've made that determination when you approach it with that absolute certainty when you approach it with the confidence that lucas does it, it becomes an easy sell it's not a fight there's no hesitancy in what he says he knows that this is exactly what that customer needs and this is exactly. what's best for them and when you approach it with that confidence there's no question they're they're more likely to buy
0: well and and look here's the thing is is this all comes back to one very very important factor the customer cannot dictate the policy or the process of the repair shop it's true is, well hold on now this is assuming that
1: the shop has a policy or a process to it you I That's mean you true. just outlined yes. it yourself that a lot of your processes in just doing a brake inspection came from issues that were uh, were arising in the past. The vehicle right. goes out. Turns out it had warped rotors, or it turns out that you have to call the customer back because you didn't you didn't check the caliper properly to make sure that it wasn't locked up, or that the that you didn't look at the the bleeders or the brake lines, and they started leaking after the fact when you started doing the service, and that, that requires a callback. You're going to be much more thorough when you when you tell the customer that hey, or, or you tell your technicians, hey, we're charging 150 dollars to do this brake inspection. I cannot come back to the customer and say we missed something.
0: Right. But but here's my point, though, right, is that oftentimes we will begin to put these processes and policies in place. And then we will let the customer come in and walk all over them. I don't want to do that. That's great. But that's how we do it here. But but I don't want to. I, I completely yeah. understand this is our process. This is how we do it. Well, I'm, I'm not paying $130 or $140 to get my brakes evaluated. That's great. You're going to get your brakes checked somewhere else because we are not. This is the process. Well, but that's not fair. I, I understand you feel that way. But this is what we have to do to ensure you get the quality of product that we desire. We, we are about providing an extremely high quality product. And to do that, we have to have certain policies and processes in place that ensure that we're able to provide that. And that goes back to the, from the very beginning, the estimate comes back to how we speak to the customer, how we get the approval, how we do the evaluation, right? And, and you know, look, I I, I say this, right? And, and I was talking to Seth the other day and talking to some other people and, and we we're talking about processes and policies. Look, I I don't want to convey that I've got like pages and pages and pages of policies and processes and everything written out. No, we've we've just done it over and over again and we've talked about, okay, that didn't work. We're going to do this. Many many of these processes and policies probably should be documented, but the entire team is on the same page. This is how we do it, and, and it's something that I just do over and over and over again. Even if you don't write out a process or a policy, as long as you will build that policy mentally, if you're on the front counter and you follow your process and policy and not let anybody push you away from it, you're in good shape. You know, I, I had a, a technician who would not do a DVI. He would not do it. He refused. And for years, I accepted subpar performance for my customers, right? And and I think I need to make sure I say that because a lot of shop owners need to hear that. When a technician's not doing his job, it's not the job for you that he's not doing well. It's the job and the safety and the the reliability of the vehicle for your customer. He's not doing well, right? That's where your reputation gets tanked and trashed. And this guy just would not do a DVI. Now, there's no way in hell I would accept from one of my guys anything less than a very good DVI. I'm not going to accept it. It's going to get sent back. And before I was afraid to do that, Well, it's the same thing. When we set these processes and we have a policy that we're going to follow every single time, we just make up our mind. This is how it's going to work. We're going to do this every single time. And nobody, no nothing is going to change that. Come hell or high water, this is how we do it. But you got to make up your mind you're going to do that.
1: Absolutely. So how do you approach uh, things like brake inspections, um you know i've got an oil leak um uh, l- maybe less uh skill intensive inspections or assessments uh, at your shop stefan
2: so we don't go as thorough on the inspection um as as lucas does um on the brakes so we'll do if a customer's coming in for nothing else then we'll charge them a half hour labor for a multi point inspection if they're coming for an oil change then the multi-point inspection is part of the oil change, but I'm also not charging fifteen dollars for an oil change, right? So um, the price I'm charging, the, I think the value there, they should get an inspection as part of that price. Um, so once we do the inspection, we don't we don't disassemble. We take we will take the left front wheel off and we'll take the right rear wheel off because that's where the sensors are at on a BMW, and that's what we inspect if we're checking if we're just going to do a you know part of a multi-point inspection on the brakes. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll maybe be able to measure the inner and outer pad on the left front and the right rear. And we'll get millimeters um, as to how much thickness, because we, we use the BMW tool to measure the, the thickness of the pad. We'll put a micrometer on the rotor. We'll measure the thickness of the rotor. And if they're added below spec, you know, we'll recommend. If they're, if they're, if they're four millimeters or below, we'll recommend the pads. And if the rotors are, are within a half millimeter of spec, even if they're a half millimeter above spec, we'll recommend the rotors. Um, we don't turn rotors, uh, if it's just pads, um, you know, we've not run into any issues with cars coming back with any vibrations, it, you know, if there's blue, sp- if there's spots on the rotors or if there's grooves in them, then yeah, we'll, we'll recommend them. But for the most part, we've never really run into any issues with that for brake inspections. And so we definitely don't take the rotors off, um, you know, on the, especially on the rear is the only time where it can bite you because, you know, some of those have the parking brake shoe on the hub on the inside of the rear brake rotors. Um, okay. But for the most part, you know, the the I'm not going to create for us is we're not going to create a policy for something that would happen one out of 100 times. Will it bite me in the ass that one out of 100 times? Yeah, probably. But, you know, I, I don't know that I need to go into that much detail um, for the brakes. Just because maybe if I was in the Rust Belt or maybe if I was in an area or maybe if I dealt with different cars that would more often bite me in the behind, I probably would change that policy. But mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. they say is policies are written in blood. I mean, you, you if something happens to you and it really hurts you and it does it a lot, then yeah, you need to change your policy and, and, and make it a mandate so that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what to expect.
1: I, I do it almost the exact same way. So it's, you not, know, it, well, So I, mean,
2: okay. <laughs> I mean, his way is very <laughs> thorough um, and I think I definitely think there's value in it, but for him to go through that, there must be a reason. He must have had a lot of issues where he had to call the customer back and update and, and update the estimate. You know, I mean, maybe it's just my area, but, you know, bleeders, shoot, I don't even know the last time I, we had a bleeder break. It was over a year ago. Um and it's not usually not that big a deal, um, but it's, it's not very often on the cars that we work on.
0: We see probably two to three vehicles a week with busted brake lines. So we, we've got a lot of salt in our area um, and we see a lot of corrosion in our area. And the thing is, is that we've got a lot of shops who will change brake pads for five, six years in a row. Many times we have yeah. a vehicle in that we'll see a, a half inch lip on the edge of the rotor on both sides where it's worn down into it. And the other shops around have not said anything. Hey, you need rotors, right? It, it is our shop policy. Typically we change rotors when we do pads. Mrs. Customer, I'm going to give you a 36 month, 36,000 mile nationwide warranty on this. It does not matter if they wear out. and And listen up here, if if you're tough on the brake pedal, you're going to wear them out because, I mean, we've got some very, very steep grades where we're at, right? And um, so having a warranty alone on a set of brake pads is, is pretty impressive. Um, but we do it because we recognize there are certain um, challenges a braking system in our area faces that we must counter with a thorough evaluation and if we're not countering it with a thorough evaluation it will sneak up on you and bite you. The other thing is is that you know uh, either one of you if a customer bust a brake line or a car won't stop you probably run into another car a guardrail. you coast to a stop. There are places here where you don't stop until you reach two counties over. Um, you know, we've got thousand fifteen hundred foot drops in some places here. So if you uh if you lose breaks in some of these areas, it is not gonna be a fun time.
2: Well, that is absolutely that's that's you know, again, it's it's I I it's hard for I'll just say this. You can't have not all shops will do it the same way, right? Like like you, you're in a market where you have to do that. And frankly, I think that most clients should expect that because they live in an area where there's going to be rust. They, they didn't just, I mean, unless they just moved there and they've been living there for six months or a year and they're like, Holy cow. You know. but if, if they grew up around there, they grew up around there. This is not news to them. So that'll be,
1: that's come to their expectation. Well, the problem is the shops that aren't doing that. The problem is that, like you said, he has shops that are just they're throwing pads on the car. I get that all the time. There's a thousand shops around me that will just throw pads on the vehicle, and uh, I tell them that's, that's not a proper brake service. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I need pads, rotors, hardware. I need to clean and lubricate everything. You need to put the braking conditioner on the rotor like I do a whole dog and pony show w- with a brake service and it's not the same thing as slapping pads on i don't I don't pad slap here, but the the problem is the other shops not doing it, and so they finally show up to Lucas's shop, and they're getting blindsided. Essentially, they've never heard of this. What are you talking about? The last three shops I went to just slap pads on there. They're down the street from you. That's when you ask the question. So, if you like the service you went there, then why are you here? (laughs) I don't think I could ask that without sounding snarky as hell. You, you you can do it. (laughs) You you just said it smoothly. You just said it very smoothly, and it didn't sound very condescending. I would say it, and it would come off condescending or snarky. I, I just, I don't know.
0: No, well, you just, throw the r- just practice it. Yeah. No, 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 no. What you do is you throw the Rick White at them. Mrs. Customer, is it the cost or the price that concerns you? And watch their head explode, you know?
1: <laughs> you. And it works when you have a Southern accent and you say it like Liz and, and you know, I, I can't do that. <laughs> but I mean, They'll how- hear the annoyance. Uh, I'm annoyed at this point if I have to over explain things and listen, <laughs> either, you, either if you want me to do it either you want like, me to do it properly or you don't. And if yeah, you don't, like, there's a door.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like it's, uh, you know, when, when the customer calls me up and, and they say, I went to this other shop and they gave me an estimate and how much is it to do this? I'm like, well, w- what, was there a reason why you didn't have them do the work? Like, right. well, I, I think their price is high. Okay, where did you go? And if they say the dealership, I'm like, okay, well, I might have a fighting chance, you know. <clears throat> but if it's uh, if they say, well, I went to Joe Schmo's shop, and I'm like, well, I mean, what makes you think would be less expensive? No, seriously, <laughs> I asked that question. I'm like, what? Why do you think? What makes you think would be less expensive? Well, I, I just thought their price was high. Okay, well, at this point, it sounds like there's a trust issue, and and I I don't have a problem asking that question. I said, look, I I honestly I, I feel there's a trust issue. I think there's there's more than just the price. I think there's some there's a reason why you didn't have them do the work. Why don't we do this? Why don't we set you up with an appointment? Let us take a look at the car. And at least you can compare second opinions. We'll take pictures of everything that we have. And that way, yeah. w- you can see exactly what we're seeing. And then you can make the best decision. Because after all, it is your car. We don't know your financial situation. You need to make a decision, for, but you need to make an informed decision. And then a lot of times, a lot of folks are like, I like that approach. Or they'll say, I just want a price.
1: Can't win them all. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It helps spread the word. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.